He is the glorious Christ. But do you believe it? We can come in here each week and sing all these wonderful songs. And then on Monday morning, we all in all belief, unbelief, because we didn't believe anything we sung on Sunday. But it's always a question. Do you really believe the things that you sing? Do you really believe the things that you read in God's word? Do you really believe the sermons that you hear each week? That is always the question. Do you believe it? If you have your Bible, open it to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 15b through 17. 15b through verse 17. People enjoy tours. I don't know if you do, uh, but I enjoy going on a a good tour, visiting different places and cities, historical sites, and and even museums, you know, like the the new National Museum of African American History and Culture in D.C. You see, tours, they, they give you the opportunity to see people, places, and things you just don't see every day in your everyday life. They give you a chance to, to actually step back in time. They, they give you a history lesson. And they actually, they, they tell a story, a good story. And similarly, we, we began a tour last week in, in Colossians 1. Verses 15 through 20. And we had a tour guide. No, his name is Paul. And he's a good tour guide. And, and what Paul is doing, he's taking us on a Christology tour in those verses. Christology is basically just a study of Christ, study of who he is. And so we're, we're, we're touring a confession of Jesus Christ. It's a confession that confesses who he is. It confesses what he does. It confesses that he is the goat, the greatest of all time. I should have some amens. Thank you. Jesus is the greatest of all time. Last week, we toured verse 15. Um, A, it says, it confessed Jesus to be the selfie of God. It says he's the image of the invisible God. Today, we're going to tour verses 15b through 17. And these verses confess the supremacy of Christ, the supremacy of Christ. Here's God's word, beginning in verse 15b. He is the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This is God's word. Please pray with and for me. Lord, as we come to your truth, we need to be reminded reminded that it's your truth. It's not the opinion of any church or any minister or any preacher. This is the very word of God that that you have given to us for our benefit and for our good, so that we can know you. It is your special revelation to us, Lord. In it, we can figure out how we can be right, made right with you, how we can live for you. In it, Lord, we learn more about who you are. So, Holy Spirit, as I prayed earlier, we, we, again, I call out to you that you will be with us as we come to this word. We, we can't understand it apart from you. If you don't move, 
Our lives and our hearts are not changed. Nothing is going to happen today. Apart from you, preaching has no power at all. It has power because you use it in the lives of God's people. You use it to draw others close to him. You use it to call us out of our sin. Holy Spirit, you have a great role. And we don't take light that role. We need it. And I call upon you to descend once again. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. These verses in Colossians 1, they confess Jesus to be the supremacist. The supremacist. And Paul is going to guide us on a tour to understand what that actually means. For he is our tour guide on this Christology tour. And he's going to present us the right details. He's going to give us the right content. He's going to actually put the right flesh on what that means. So you can't discount the tour guide. The tour guide is important here because there's a lot of bad content and details when it comes to who Christ is and what Christ does. And what Paul lays out here in these verses, he's giving you good content. He's giving you good details. Lifeway Research and Ligonier Ministries conducted a Research study this year on the state of Af- uh, on the state of American theology in 2016. Lifeway Research and Ligonier Ministries did this this year. They surveyed over 3,000 adults with 47 statements about Christian theology. They wanted to measure their agreement on these statements, and one statement in particular fits well with the topic of our message today. And the statement states this. Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. 75% of those surveyed agree with that statement. 75% believes, 75% of the people surveyed believe Jesus is created by God just like you're created by God. Now, do you believe that? Do you think Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God? Now, we know he's the greatest. Now, we, we, we don't even need to debate that. But is he created? Is he made? Now, if you believe so, if you believe he's created by God, then you will take, you will take Paul's words in, in 15b as a confirmation of that belief. Because it says he's the firstborn of all creation. It's in the text, Alex. It it, it appears that Paul is confirming that. It appears that he's confirming that that Jesus was created by God. It looks that way on the surface, but that's not the case. The concept firstborn has two hands. It has two sides to it. Two sides to it. One hand, on the one hand, it has to do with birth order. Who's born first? On the other hand, it has to do with birthright. Birthright. See, the birthright is about status. It's about rank. It's about position within the family. It's about privileges. It's about inheritance. That's the birthright. Many of you know about Isaac. He's an Old Testament saint. Isaac has two sons, Esau and Jacob. The, the, the two sides of birthright is played out in their lives. 
Isaac is the firstborn by, I mean, Esau is the firstborn by birth. He is. Now, if you know anything about this history and this story, Esau sells something to his younger brother, Jacob. He can't sell the birth order. That's already done. He can't sell what has already passed. That's already done. But instead, he sells to his brother, Jacob, his birthright. He sells his position, his rank, his status within the family. He sells to Jacob his inheritance, his privilege, his benefits, and his rights for a cup of stew. Second, is the second side of uh, firstborn is also seen and, and highlighted in Psalm 89. I'll read that for you. In Psalm 89, verse uh, 26, it says, He shall call, cry out to me, You are my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. And it says, I shall make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. Highest of the kings of the earth is talking about rank, position, honor, not birth order. Not birth order. So in Colossians 1.15 Paul is not talking about Christ being born first. He is not talking about Christ's birth order. He's talking about his birthright. He's talking about his position within creation. He's talking about his status within it, his privilege, his honor, his inheritance, his benefits, his power, his rule, and his authority. Jesus has all the rights of a firstborn son. And he ain't going to sell them away. He can't do that. Jesus has the rank, the rights of a firstborn son because he is God's son. He's just not God's son like we're God's sons and daughters. We're made and created. Jesus isn't. We're adopted into God's family. Jesus is not. Remember, 75% of those surveyed believe Jesus was created by God. And all those people are wrong. Jesus isn't created by God. But he is God's son. Scripture tells us that Jesus is God's only begotten son. Begotten means unique. It means unique. It means Jesus is God's only unique son. He's one of a kind. That's what that means. No one is God's son like Christ is God's son. No one is. He's one of a kind. And that's what the confession that we read was pointing out to us. Why is he called the only begotten son of God? Because he is God's only son, eternally and naturally God's son. That's why. There was a creed written in 325 A.D. It's a Nicene Creed. And this creed that was written in 325 A.D., it affirms what it means for Christ to be the only begotten son. And this is a wonderful statement because this, this, listen to what it says about Christ. It says, begotten from the Father before all ages. This is Christ. God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Begotten, not made of the same substance as the Father. What does that mean? Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the selfie of God. Everything this says about God is also true of Jesus. God is eternal. Jesus is also 
eternal. As I said last week, Jesus is on a whole different level than us. And when we reduce him down to our size, we almost lose reverence of who he really is. He is Emmanuel, that is God in the flesh, God who is with us. He is the God-man. And Jesus knows who he is. The J.B. Phillips translation of this verse says, Jesus existed before creation began. Jesus existed before creation began. In John 5, 58, Jesus says of himself, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. Remember, Abraham is an Old Testament saint. I mean, he lived a long time ago. And Jesus is telling these Jews, before your forefather was, I am. They were going to stone Jesus for that. And so what is he saying? I am the eternal son of God. I know who I am. I know that I have all the rights of a firstborn son. I have the status. I have the honor. I have the rank. I have the benefits. He knows that. So firstborn of all creation is about rank. It's not about birth. And the NIV captures this perfectly. The NIV translation says he is the firstborn over all creation. Over all creation. Jesus is over all creation because he's superior to all creation. He is the supremacist. He has supremacy. And the question is, is, do you believe it? Do you accept it? Will you surrender to it? Look at your life. Who reigns supreme in your life? Who has authority in your life and what you do in your family, in your marriage, in your bank account, in the things that you do? Who's supreme? Who's on top? Throughout the history of the world, nations and, and ethnic groups have, have made claims of superiority over other nations and ethnic groups who they deem to be inferior. It's what I call a self-crown superiority. It's when people and nations, they crown, they, they crown themselves as superior to others. No one else gave it to them now. Please know that. I'm not going to crown you more superior than me. I love you, but I ain't going to do that. We do it to ourselves. So we have this self-crown of superiority. Now, if you can look at history. History proves this to be true. Present-day reality shows it to be true. You, all you got to do is look back into history, and all you have to do is observe what is really going on in the world. So don't let progress make you a fool. And don't let a whitewashed history deceive you. Okay? People have crowned themselves as superior to other people. You can see it. It can either be in black supremacy, white supremacy, Jewish supremacy, Latin supremacy. It doesn't matter. It can be economic. It can be educational. It can be gender. It can be in social class. It can be political. It can be national. It can be all of those. And let's face it. Human beings are prone to self-crown superiority where we deem other people as inferior to us. If you don't know that sin in you, then you don't know your sin very well. Because if people can get away with it, doing it to you, they'll do it. Because we're all sinners. None are good. If we can get away with it, we'll do it. But can I put a bug in your ear? Thank you. I love it when y'all participate with me. 
Self-crowned superiority is a false notion. It's a lie. It's fraud. It's deceit. It's like bad breath. It's trash. It's idolatry. It's false worship. It's pride. It's self-centeredness. And it's from the pit of hell. Not from God. There is only one person who can make a claim to superiority, and that is Jesus. He is the only one can say I'm better than you when he's right. He's the only one that can say I'm superior to you, and he's right. And he's right. He has superiority over all things in all ways. So that means his birthright is superior to yours. His rank is superior. His swag is superior. His style is superior. His status is superior. In case you don't get it, I'm going to continue. His honor is superior. His power is superior. His purpose is superior. His inheritance is superior. His rule is superior. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. So if anyone else is saying, I'm better than you, you just say, no, you're not better than me. Because I know someone who's better than everybody. And that's Jesus. That's Jesus. He is superior to all creation, and that it means human beings. We're not the center. We're not the standard. He is. Now, I know a logical question can come up from this tour now. I know there's two questions that may come up. What is Jesus' platform to show that he's superior to everyone and everything? I mean, what did Jesus actually do? What did he actually do? That's a good question, you know, for our two guy. Paul, what did Jesus actually do? <laughs> Paul is going to turn over some rocks for you. You see, Jesus is the firstborn over creation because he's the creator of all creation. 16a, for by him all things were created. And if you go to the Greek, all things mean all things. <laughs> if you go to another translation, all things mean all things. And if you still don't get it, Paul has more rocks to turn over. He created all things in heaven and all things on earth. And if you still have trouble and doubt, he has more stones to turn over. He created all things visible and all things invisible. That's physical and spiritual. And if you still don't get it, he has more to say. He created everything, whether thrones, dominions, rules, authorities. He created it all for himself. Heavenly ones, earthly ones, visible ones, and spiritual ones, physical ones. He created all of them. There is nothing that exists that he himself did not create. All things were created through God's eternal son. That is Jesus Christ. Creation itself is Jesus' platform. So you want his platform? Look out in the world. That's it. That's it. What's your platform? Again, if anyone's claiming any claim of superiority, ask them, what's your platform? What's your platform? If you say, my, my ethnicity would say, well, God created that. You didn't even create that. God created that. It all belongs to him. Those who have a self-crowned superiority can't make such claims. Only Jesus can. Psalm 2, 
I'm going to read this to you. God has a little sense of humor. In Psalm 2, the Lord says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. Why do they do this, the Lord asked. They take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Guess what the Lord says? Guess what his response is? He who sits in, sits in the heavens laughs. That's what verse 4 says. He who sits in the heavens laughs, and he holds them in contempt. Jesus laughs at our self-crowned superiority. That's what he does. He's laughing, and he holds us in contempt for it. Because what Jesus says is that the gravity, the gravity that holds you down is mine. The air you breathe is mine. The water you drink is mine. The ocean you swim upon is mine. The rain that waters your crops and your grass is mine. In fact, your body is mine. The earth rotates at the sound of his whistle. The season changes at the snap of his hand. The sun rises and sets at the wave of his hands. So please know, governments govern because Jesus allows them to govern. Nations rule because he allows them to rule. And so that means for us as American Christians, what's going to happen in two weeks is going to happen what he wants to happen. Whoever's going to win their lessons, whoever he wants to win. And so if you're living in fear, then you have a small Jesus. This is, this is, this is your Jesus right here. If you're living in fear. If you live in fear, then your Jesus is this small. Then you live in a lot of unbelief. Then your Savior is really not Jesus. Because if you're living and you know that Jesus is supreme, that he has everything under his control, you have nothing to fear. Jesus has everything under control all day, every day. Listen, Jesus has been around for all eternity. You know what that means? He has seen it all. <laughs> Please know that. He says he's been around before everything is correct. I mean, he has seen it all. He has seen nations rise and fall. He has seen it all. You think he's up in heaven now like, man, that's different. I didn't see that before. I mean, give him some credit. Give him some credit. Before the seven wonders of the world, Jesus existed. Before there was anything as superpowers, Jesus existed. Before there was even seven continents, Jesus existed. Okay? Verse 17 says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Think about that. He existed before all things. He's superior to all things. He's the creator of all things. He's the ruler of all things. And he is the sustainer of all things. That means he continues to hold things together. And so that means he ain't never out of control. He's not ever out of control. Ever out of control. Because he's holding it together now. Now. The problem with me and American Christians is that we're not global. We think God is centralized right here in these shores. And he's not. If he can hold things together over there, and he's holding things together here, give him some credit, people. 
Remember who he is. And do you believe this stuff? Do you believe it? And so if you're walking into those polls in a few weeks and you're scared, please know you serve a God who ain't ever scared. Please remember you serve a God who holds things together and has been doing that before you were even born. He will continue to do that when you're dead and gone. He does not take a break. He does, he does not rotate out of office every four years. He is supreme, and he will always be supreme. He will always be the king on the mountain. He will never be the throne. And we as his people, if we don't believe it, how can we share, that, share who he is with other people if we don't live it out? If we're just as afraid as the lost people, how can we take them the good news? And if you're struggling to believe it, that this table is a reminder of something else that Jesus has done to prove to us that he's the greatest of all time. You see, he's, the, he, he, he's eternal. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's the ruler. And he's the redeemer. Oh, he's the redeemer. Because Jesus knows that we are but this. Jesus knows we are sinful. He knows that we don't govern well. He knows we make mistakes. He knows we fall short. And so we made the mistake that messed up the world. Adam and Eve did. And Jesus is the one who fixed our mistakes. Please know that. He's also the fixer. He's the Olivia Pope of Christianity. He fixes it. That's who he is. He wears the white hat. But do you believe it? Do you believe it? And this meal is a reminder that he died a death that we all should have died. With his finished work on the cross. And on that cross, he created something else. You know what he created? He created peace between you and God. And not only that, he sustains that peace between you and God. And the only way you get that peace is that you have to come to him in faith. And this table is for all of you who have come to saving faith. In Jesus Christ. This meal is for your spiritual nourishment. It's for your spiritual health. And the spirit is the one who uses these elements to encourage each of you spiritually. Now as the officers come forward, it's going to assist me in the Lord's table. I encourage each of you to spend a few moments asking the Holy Spirit to prepare your hearts to receive the Lord's table.